name's Matt, and I will be talking to Kai Widener about leadership effective communication and adapting to economic challenges through automation. Hey, Kai, I'm really happy to have you here today. Hey, Matt, great to be with you. We talked once, but maybe you could tell a few words to our listeners uh, who you are and in which company you work. Yeah, sure. So my name is Kai Wenner. I'm based in Germany, close to Munich. But I also live in the Lufthansa Lounge because I travel to so many customers and uh, with Confluence. So we do data streaming. Data streaming means we provide real-time access to data and correlate it so that you can automate decision-making at the right time in the right context. And with that, um, we really do business um, as a data infrastructure with industries uh, everywhere, across all countries and in every industry, both more the traditional enterprises and also the cloud-native ones born in the cloud. And with that, um, it's never getting boring, I would say. <laughs> sounds, sounds cool. Uh, and what really interested me is the role that you are having. You are the global field CDO, so I don't talk. Uh, a lot with global field CDOs. <laughs> so maybe could you tell a few words about your responsibilities and how this role is different to a typical CTO? Absolutely, because it's very different. And indeed, um, the field CTO is an emerging role. It's not just at Confluent, but also if you take a look at other software vendors um, in the data space, right, like Snowflake or like Cloudera or many others, um, the role exists more and more. And uh, the, the crucial part that I take over or often also separate colleagues in one company is that um, we are really more customer facing. So the, 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 normal, C, the normal CTO um, takes a look at the, the product and internal strategy. Of course, also talks to customers, but always from the product perspective and strategy in mind. Um, for me, it's the other way around. I typically talk much more about the case studies and success stories from customers. And so I'm really more like... Um, some people know the role of a developer advocate, where you show what your product is doing and how the APIs uh, look at. And um, I'm doing the same, but on a more higher level for the decision makers and explain the business value and success stories from other customers in the same industry. And that's really why um, a big part of my role is traveling to customers and talking to them about um, the value we bring. Um, with that, also, it's a bidirectional role, of course, talking not just to the customer, but then also internally with the office of the CTO, with our product teams for the roadmap and so on. But um, th that's a little bit the difference. It's much more um, customer-facing instead of um, product-faced. And uh, that's what I find even more interesting because you really see all these different use cases across all the industries. So this is uh, a bit like a pre-sales on the tech side, so to say. Yes and no. So um, in the end, so it's true. So it's um, I really focus on the early stages, um, not just with new prospects, but also more to expand the business within our customers. And with that, um, it's a mix of a business and technical role. And this is typically the hardest challenge. So we have a lot of people, for example, coming from McKinsey, they can talk to a CEO or CIO, right? Um, and we have a lot of engineers and developers, of course, also in the pre-sales role. Um, but um, if you can talk both the technical side and explain how your business works under the hood, but also explains this um, to the business people from a product side in the customer-facing world, so like a retail or telco business. And this mapping is what I'm doing, but it's indeed a more the early stage um, before actually people go deep into their project. So that's in the end where I'm supporting them and now especially telling them how other customers in the same industry are doing it already. In the core, uh, typically you're uh, the decision makers with whom uh, you talk. So um, th that's the interesting part, and that's why it's important that I understand both the business and also the technology under the hood. 
typically in line meetings, there is a lot of people with very different roles. Um, so we often do workshops over a day where in the first meeting, of course, you have the top management because you only get a CIO or decision maker for an hour or so. But then in the follow-ups, we also have the lead architect. We have also project people like the project manager um, so that we can explain how our technology can map to their business to solve business problems. So for me, the, the most critical point here really is so um, we don't really do proof of concepts or do technology proofs because the technology we use, um, that's battle-tested in thousands of organizations. What our customers or prospects struggle with is understanding um, how they can leverage this cutting-edge new technology to solve business problems. And um, we have actually seen this in our space several years ago where everybody installed a big data Hadoop cluster. That was that open source data lake to ingest all the data there and then do analytics on that. But people couldn't prove business value in their companies. And so we know where we do these things not in batch, but in real time. We start the other way around. We say the technology works and it's proven. We directly want to start with your business problems. And this is typically where I come in to talk to all these different people and convince them on very different levels. Your role sounds pretty interdisciplinary. I think you talk with so many people from so many different departments, areas. And I'm just wondering internally, what is your team structure? With whom do you work the most? So this is a great point. So um, I, I, I don't have any people that report to me, right? So this is really more an individual role where you um, really do things. So I'm not a manager. Um, and therefore, you're completely right. So I do so many different things and work with so many different people. And that's what excites me most about this job. Um, it's not for everyone, um, not just because you need to travel, but because your daily life looks different every day. I wrote a blog post about that. Maybe we can add this to the comments or, or to, the, to the podcast yeah. because there I describe all these different personas I talk to. And both internally and externally, I really talk from top management down to the developer. And so um, I, I'm not the best expert in our product for the API and engineering, but I understand how it works and I can explain it to other developers. But then I also need to go top to a CIO level where I really only talk about business level because the CIO doesn't care about the technology we use under the hood. And uh, therefore, it's really a big um, level of where the personas I talk to both internally and the same externally. Talking about the data, because I'm always trying to describe the role around the, with the data. And are there any OKRs or KPIs that you are responsible for? And you say that they are important and you check on a weekly, daily or maybe monthly basis? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, so Confluent um, was founded eight years ago and is now in the meantime a public company. So we IPO'd, um, I think, around two years ago. And so as you can imagine, especially in these hard times, everything is data-driven. And this is on the one side, of course, for the sales and marketing, which is the, the public numbers, right? And in the same way, um, we are completely based on OKRs and similar targets um, for almost everything. And in a similar way, um, so what I'm doing um, is really assigned on the one side um, to the customers and accounts I work with or the same with partners. Um, but also internally, it's um, assigned to when I, I'm not just talking one-to-one -to, -one to customers, but I also do a lot of panels. I do a lot of webinars um, um, and, and these kind of uh, roundtables. Typically, mostly on decision-maker level, but still one-to-many. And based on that, it will also um, map to our CRM system and how many leads it creates, how much revenue pipeline it generates. So definitely... Um, I can tell you in such a company these days, um, everything is data-driven. And that's a good thing, actually, because um, it removes the gut feeling and it also removes the, the power of specific people because the numbers typically tell the truth. I'm wondering, probably heard about the chat GPT, right? It is. <laughs> <laughs> Especially on LinkedIn, there is a 
I think everybody is talking only about that. But I'm just wondering, in your case, do you think that ChatGPT, this GitHub Copilot and similar tools will eventually reduce the high demand that we have in the tech world in, in coming years? I do, absolutely. And by the way, so not just on LinkedIn, but for example, um, our top management had their um, investors meetings in New York um, a few weeks ago. And um, while we don't do um, um, AI ourselves, we are the data hub in the middle. Um, still, um, every second investor question was about um, chat GPT and generative and AI and so on. And so it's really critical also to have a response for that. Um, and I think it's not just um, that this is the next bus, but there is really some value in there. And um, there is in the end, I think, Two opportunities. One is the internal one where we build our products. And um, here is the obvious one. It's very similar to what you see from GitHub, for example, where so we have development tools and visual coding, low-code, no-code tools, so that you can create um, real-time streaming pipelines from your database, then process it, and then get it into the cloud data warehouse. And um, we provide this today with visual coding. And the next step here is simply that you also use generative AI so that you can use um, normal language and then um, it's generated out of that. So um, this is definitely an opportunity. And however, what I see even more interestingly is that um, our customers um, are already using generative AI for improving their businesses. And this is obviously in my role as a field CDO, what I care even more. So um, generative AI with the bus we see these days with ChatGPT, that's pretty new, so there's not that many case studies. But interestingly, um, many of our customers are using um, similar natural language processing technologies for a long time already. Like, I want to give you one concrete example for that. Um, this is much easier to understand. Um, so um, Expedia, for example, so the travel booking um, company, um, they were in a lot of trouble during COVID because all the travel was canceled, refunds, and thousands of people calling the support. The humans there, they couldn't handle that. People had to wait for hours if they could reach one at all. So they were already using our data streaming platform and for connecting to their order management system, the booking systems, the CRM systems. But still, the people need to call the hotline. So they needed to act quickly during COVID, and they developed a new chatbot. So it was a chatbot trained on their data, so it worked pretty well. And they integrated that into the business process so that they could first send new calls to the chatbot. And only if that could not solve the problem, then you hand it over to a human. And this is simply a practical example. It actually was created before ChatGPT exists. So the difference today is that the generative AI is more context-specific and can um, keep state better. So it's even more powerful. But the story itself is the same like with Expedia already two years ago. And therefore, what we are doing really is we are the data hub to connect the different dots, the different data sources, the data things. And therefore, generative AI is just another interface for us, but they always need accurate data and ideally in real time. And this is why um, generative AI and ChatGPT will be a game changer for us internally, but especially for our customers. And I'm really surprised that even like in Germany, where um, the, the perspective is much more conservative than like in the US or in Asia. So everybody's much more worried about data privacy and about... Um, 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 stopping ChatGPT and forbidding it, right? Instead of leveraging it. And still, I see very traditional customers like in financial services or in manufacturing that are already starting to deploy these use cases like for service management. And so um, I think this is a great f uh, future. Not replacing every existing business process, but really complementing and enhancing. You work a lot with the clients. Uh, you're, and you have technical background, you're a technical person, and I think it's really challenging for newcomer leaders to work with clients, especially on the high levels, on the executive level. 
And I'm wondering, do you have any tips that you could give to uh, newcomer tech leaders who are facing the new role where they have to engage with the executives or a tech leader to be a company? Yeah, absolutely, I do. And interestingly, so this is not just for my role where I really um, t talk about use cases and case studies, but even when we are at our conferences and um, we have other, our CTO there or our product managers, which are much more technical than me and focus more on the product, even in these conversations and meetings, um, the main recommendation is start with the customer problem first. What do they need to solve? Because pitching only your technology, what you're doing with that, that doesn't solve the problem. And uh, um, enterprises have budgets, right? And so they only invest in those things where they see value. And therefore, we really start on a very high level. Um, what's the problem you need to solve in your business unit? Or um, is it more like um, increasing revenue, building a new innovative application, customer expansion? Is it reducing the risk like for fraud? Or is it reducing cost? Maybe modernizing your IT infrastructure from the mainframe to cloud services. Um, and then you can go down more and more and um, agree on what's your business problem actually. And then we can chat about how and where we fit into that to help. So this is really the number one conversation we have. And then even if our product team, for example, is involved, it's the same story because they don't say, we build these 10 features in the next year. They ask, what's your problem? And then let's talk about what our roadmap looks like. And then we also want to learn from the customer how we maybe need to adjust it so that we can solve your problem. So um, in our roadmap from our cloud service, um, most of the products we build is because customers are asking for it. And uh, the best lesson learned here is that um, I'm now working with Confluent for over six years. And the technology we use is Apache Kafka, an open source framework used by over 100,000 organizations. And uh, what, what we learned from that is that the core is, is really cool already. It's a great open source framework. We contribute to that. But most customers build a lot of things around so I typically compare it like the open source framework is the car engine and what we build is the complete car or in the cloud, even the self-driving car level five. And this is in the end now where we add the new features because in the last five years, we have many customers seen building features around the engine by themselves, like data governance, security, access control, encryption, and we are building that into the product. And if you focus on these conversations, when you talk to executives to solve their problems, both on a business level, but also on a technical level, this is in the end the right way to success. This year's theme for the big techs is uh, recession uh, and how they could align around it. So I mean, probably most of the companies are thinking like how we can achieve more or achieve the same for less. Do you have any recommendations here how the companies could uh, align around, the, around those goals? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is a conversation we have um, every week with our customers because um, the budgets are tighter, right? So um, they need to really think about where to invest. Um, it's the same for us internally, by the way. So it's not just for the customers. And therefore, I think the number one trend we see here really is automation. And uh, we also talked about um, generative AI with GTP4, like in the Expedia case, how to improve a business process. And then um, this is the way to go forward, how to improve existing business processes. And um, in most cases, we see it's not a big bang. So um, the chat uh, bot will not replace the existing support level. It will just enhance it and improve it so that the support, for example, has more time for these real problems of customers. And so um, what also we especially in Germany see a lot is where now people are worried about their job because AI will replace it. And that will not be the case. Uh, the case will be that the AI will take over the easy-to-answer jobs so that the humans can um, use the, the more challenging answers. And this is really, I think, the way going forward in the recession, that we can take a look at the right problems and solve them the right way. And where possible, we will automate that. And this is actually with data streaming what we are doing. So 
We are the data infrastructure to connect systems and automate and scale as much of the business process and operations as possible so that the humans can focus on the business problems and the time to market on that. What advices would you give to tech leaders regarding the key factors that contribute to successfully uh, successful product delivery in a highly distributed team? So a distributed team. So you work in a really highly distributed environment. You're living in an airport mostly, so yeah. to say. Uh, but on the tech side and the product side, the teams are remote, in-house, outsourced on, uh, on very different continents. Do you have any advices here? This is also what learnings we had internally, right? So as you say, so we are a, a global company. I mean, obviously, um, we were founded in Silicon Valley and therefore um, a lot of engineering is still um, in the US and also a lot of there is still on the West Coast. Um, but even just for cost reasons, you also go somewhere else, right? Like, um, for example, to Eastern Europe or to India or, or so. And so this is definitely something which is important. Um, I, I, and I, I'm not in engineering now, I have to say, but what I learned internally from our organization is that um, remote work works, but um, you need to align on um, how to communicate with each other and maybe also how to share the tasks. Because um, if you have, for example, 10 products, it probably doesn't make sense to develop all products across the world, but maybe focus specific functions in a region where everybody's in the same time zone. So remote work is not really a problem. So after the pandemic, most people work mostly remote. Um, so also our office is smaller than before, right? Um, so um, we, can, we still meet each other and we still do offsites. That's also important to meet the colleagues from time to time. But remote work and, and engineering works very well, I think. What's much more challenging is the different time zones. Um, so I live in Germany. So um, uh, the, the, the most important time for me is 5 p.m. because that's 8 a.m. Pacific time. But on the other side, um, for India, that's um, midnight, right? And so... Um, that's the best. The most important thing is to have alignments across time zones and um, separate the product development or testing in the right way, so um, you don't clash with the time zones here. Um, and besides that, um, remote work um, works very well if you follow some specific rules. And the same as you mentioned the OKRs before for the goals, it's the same here that you use the right tools like um, a wiki like Confluence. Um, use Slack, which is asynchronous, right? Um, and all use all these tools the right way. Um, that's the other challenge. Um, for some companies, they use only Slack, and that's also not a good idea. And this is the challenge of being agile, but also write things down the right way. And if you get that right, then um, remote work, even across time zones, it's absolutely doable. And also from a cost perspective, it's necessary anyway, because um, engineers in Silicon Valley are too expensive for everyone. <laughs> uh, I, fully ag I fully agree. <laughs> um, uh, and I wanted to ask you about the most important lesson that you have learned as a as a tech leader or working in tech. I mean, the, the most important lesson for me is that um, you shouldn't do the same thing for a long time. And we also see this um, in our organization, but every other tech company, right? So um, people shift in their roles. Um, of course, they get promoted, right, from a junior to a senior and so on. Um, but some people then um, want to go more into management or some want to go from testing into development. It depends on where you want to develop. To. Some are, stay technical forever, that's fine. Some others want to go more into management or into sales. And the most important lesson for me is that um, you should really do different things. And this is what I enjoy, enjoy most, most in my job because, as I said, I'm, I'm working with the engineering and product team. I'm also doing marketing stuff. I work uh, and support the sales teams. I also work with research analysts like Gartner and Forrester, right? So it's a lot of different people and you talk with everyone about the same problem or topic. In my case, it's data streaming technologies and cloud services, but the conversation is always different. 
And over time in the career, um, you shouldn't do just one thing for more than two or three years. And I think this is the real lesson learned um, so that you can um, advance your career and um, also enjoy that. And last but not least, I would like to ask you about any books, podcasts, resources, maybe conferences that have been particularly helpful to you as a tech leader. So my number one um, recommendation here is if you're a tech leader or even more an engineer or whatever, the most important lesson learned is read or listen to things that are not technology. So um, it depends on the industry you're working in, right? So I, I work with customers across industries, but um, listen to podcasts and financial services if you're in a bank. Not about the technology behind it, because this is your daily life. Listen about the evolution, about what's happening there. What If you live in the US, what's happening in China? So to hear what others are doing. So the most important thing that I recommend is to sales, to marketing people, but also to engineers. Um, learn from others in the industry you work in about the industry developments. Like um, we also work with telcos that build a 5G network infrastructure. And to them I tell, hey, um, don't look just at other 5G implementations, but also look at other um, telcos um, over the sea and um, how they build new business models on top of that. How they do B2B integration with partners where the partners then innovate. And so this is really crucial. Even if you're just in the engineering or product suite, um, you need to know what's going on around the world in your industry. And so when, when you go, I, for example, I go running every day for 30 to 50 minutes and I 90% listen to podcasts which are not technology. But in my case, it's a little bit about tech leadership but mostly it's about industry-specific use cases. Uh, that's, I think, is a brilliant advice. You cannot be at work 24-7, right? So if you are doing engineering and development, you cannot uh, listen to uh, everything about the engineering and development. At some point, you need to rest, and it could be like a productive rest, so to say, uh, if you exactly. focus on the industry. So, so Kai, this was my last question. It was a pleasure to talk to you, and thanks for all the advices. Uh, I think, I think they, are, they are great. Uh, so thanks for the talk. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Follow Matt on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Better Tech Leadership newsletter.